If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. What's up, Oklahoma fans? Matt Hofeld, Richard Gray here with the Assyrian Nation podcast. Orange Bowl preview, Oklahoma, Alabama coming up Saturday night. Um, I don't know, man. I, we, we got a lot to talk about as with every episode. I feel like I, I begin every podcast with we've got a lot to talk about, but that's just <laughs> that's just truth. Um, we want to talk about – I think when you look at this game, the the first thing – got to start with health because you, I think we're agreed on this is that Oklahoma has to be completely healthy – to have a shot in this game, do you? I mean, do you agree with that? Not on the offensive side of the ball, but defensively. Uh, see, I don't think it matters. And, and I think offensive side of the ball is where you go ahead, go ahead. And no, no, just, no. All, all I'm saying is, I, I think Alabama's been given a lot of credit, and rightfully so, for their defense. I'm not saying that the defense is being touted as something that they're not. I'm not saying that they don't have the NFL talent on the roster because clearly they do. But when it comes to this defense. It's for me, they've never seen an offense like what Oklahoma is going to put on the field against them. And the simple reasoning for that is you and I have talked about this. We've hashed it out numerous times is the Big 12 plays a style of offense that nobody in the country does. Others have tried to emulate it. Lincoln Riley is the pinnacle of that. It's why he's such a hot commodity. It's why he continuously comes up in conversations with NFL coaching jobs. I just think his schemes, having a month to prepare the skill position players that they have in this offensive line are unlike anything Alabama's seen from the defensive standpoint. Okay, I'm gonna. There, there's a lot you just said. I'm gonna break some of it down into smaller segments because there's there's some that I agree with, and but I think there's a, another side of that. For example, you said Alabama's not seen an offense like what they're gonna face in Oklahoma. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly with that. But I also feel like the reason what makes that offense for Oklahoma are guys like Marquise Brown. And if Marquise Brown isn't a hundred percent, then he's not the threat that he was. And I think Marquise Brown at 85% is is pretty good. Um, but the flip side of that also is that Oklahoma, this this offense has not faced a defense of what Alabama's bringing. Right. So that argument's saying for both sides of it the ball. It is, you're right. And where Alabama, I, I think Oklahoma has faced better defensive secondaries this year. I'm pretty confident they've not faced a defensive line like what they're about to hit. And it's it's a, it's a that's that strength on strength mono mono type thing where you got Oklahoma one of the best offensive lines in the nation, 
against the strength of Alabama's defense, which is their line. So across the board, you want you want those five guys up front to be healthy, but I, I think you got to have all the other moving parts healthy. I mean, what what makes Trey Sermon? By the way, Trey Sermon said this morning that he is a hundred percent. It's the first time he's been a hundred percent since the TCU game. But what makes a guy like Trey Sermon so healthy or so dangerous? It's because you got Ceedee Lamb and you got Marquise Brown that you got to worry about. You you've got you got you got the two-headed monster at running back. You, I mean, there's there's so many moving parts. Grant Calcaterra. I mean, you got to spread that off that defense out so much that it makes those lanes, even though your offensive line is as good as it gets, it makes it that much easier to to create space for a guy like Trey Sermon or Kennedy Brooks or whoever to get through because they they what where that linebacker can focus on the gap. He also has to focus on who's in the slot. He has to focus on who's coming across the middle. And when you take away the speed of that, just one part, I think it makes it a little bit less of a cohesive um, issue for the defense where they're like, hey, we're just shadowed this guy with the safety. Uh, and I, I promise you that's what Alabama's going to do. They're going to make Marquise Brown they're going to make him prove he's healthy. Well, I'm, I'm going to make my first bold prediction for this game. You ready? <laughs> yeah. no, here, seriously, Marquise Brown, if he's healthy, Marquise Brown is going to have a big play early in this game. He's going to have a big play early in the game because Alabama is going to make him prove that he can beat them. Right? So they're going to make him prove it. And he's if he's healthy, he's going to prove that. And then – after that, they're going to start restructuring defense. And if Marquise Brown can't make a big play early, I think Oklahoma's offense may be in a little bit of trouble. Not in trouble to the tune of what we would think they're not going to score, but more like a 35-point performance as opposed to a 56-point performance. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that that's uh, – see. so Trey Sermon says he's healthy. Marquise Brown, the good news is he arrived – to Miami not wearing a boot. He has been going, of course, at least to the media sessions of practice. He's been going through drills and so forth. But today, uh, and, you know, this is December 26th when we're recording this, was the first um, a slotted media availability for Oklahoma players. And Kyler Murray is a scratch from that because he's not feeling well under the weather, which automatically brings back those memories of uh, – of terror with Baker Mayfield getting the flu before the Rose Bowl last week. Do you look into anything with Kyler Murray not being there today? I I honestly don't. Um, this is a guy who has consistently performed at a high level, regardless of the challenge or the task that has been set before him. I, I think Kyler Murray is one of those athletic guys who, I mean, even if it's a little bit of sickness, you give him a week to recover, he'll be fine. I think, uh, truthfully, I, here, here, what I'm more worried about with Kyler Murray is, is he going to practice? <laughs> you know, I, mean, I, I, I don't, I don't care. Get a week now, huh? No. Yeah, the, it, you're right. It's you Wednesday. The game's on the 26th. Yeah. The game's on the 29th. Um, I, I, I still, I'm not going to put a whole lot of stuff well, into it. Again, I want to know, is he going to practice? I don't, I don't care mm-hmm. if he's not there to meet with the media. What I care about is he in practice. Right. And and I also think there's there's there could be a little bit of um, – I mean, think about the circus, the media circus he's been involved in since winning the Heisman Trophy. Right, yeah. And it could be a little bit of... Kyler Murray, all the things. Yeah, it's like, hey, coach, I don't want to do this today. You know, Mm -hmm. I I think there could be some of that. 
Can, can, can you imagine? Well, it's not just the local beat writers. Right. This yeah. is national media. And they're going to ask questions everywhere from the Oakland Athletics to the Dallas exactly. Cowboys. Uh, that's what I was going to say is it's it's the same questions. They're becoming repetitive. Uh-huh. It, and it's been repetitive all season, let's be honest, because Kyler Murray takes over as a starting quarterback at not just any university. It's it's the University of Oklahoma, but he's also already been drafted. So it's it's been from day one. I could see that being the case. I'm not saying it is. I don't have any insider information here that I wouldn't wouldn't have given to you before we sat down. So I mean, I, I'm not in the know. This is all just guesswork on my part. But, but think think back to baseball season. We were told we got the advisory from the media mm-hmm. uh, from uh, OU Sports that we could not. Uh, I think it was late February. Or, no, it was later than that. It was March. But we were given that notification that we could no longer ask Kyler Murray questions about football right that we could only ask him baseball questions during baseball seasons and so i I think there is that that's that that i here's what i know from my time interviewing kyler murray whatever sport he's playing that's what he wants to talk about you know when he was playing Mm -hmm. baseball he didn't want even around spring football time he didn't want to talk football he wanted to talk about if you're if you're interviewing him on the baseball diamond he wants to talk baseball and I would imagine right here he wants to talk football, but he wants to talk Alabama, Oklahoma, college football, Orange Bowl. He doesn't want to talk about whether he's going to go in the NFL or go in Major League Baseball. I think all those stories are played out for him, like what you're saying. So um, I want to know, is he practicing? Is he practicing healthy? Is he doing full reps? Um, on the other side of the field, on the Alabama sideline, Tua Tagovailoa says today that he's 80 to 85 percent. Any feelings on that? I, I think Tua has been a, a huge reason why Alabama has been so successful. And the same can be said about Kyler Murray. So if there's any kind of 10%, 15% away from being 100%, it is kind of a big deal. I can't say that about Tua and not say that about Kyler because I absolutely believe if Kyler Murray's not on the field for Oklahoma, they don't stand a chance against Alabama. But they would get a huge help if, if Tua Tagovailoa was in the same boat. With him not being 100% healthy, um, I get it may be playing a little bit cautious, but at the same time, isn't, I mean, that's that's that foot that's always going to be coming forward. Is his right foot, right? Mm-hmm. Or was it his left one? I don't remember. Okay, whichever one. I was just going to roll with say, it when he says right yeah, foot. I like, yeah, okay. say if it's his left one, you know, it's that plant where you start the motion, the right one with the follow through. Regardless, they're both important in this game. If he's not 100% and he's throwing off of his back foot, I mean, are, is he going to turn the ball over like he did in the SEC? That, I but think see, that he becomes, turned the ball over in the SEC championship before the injury. He did. See, I, I, and I'm not, I don't, look, I, I'm not that guy. I'm just saying it throws in this extra layer yeah, if the ball's gonna sail yeah. high and you've got a safety over the top i mean you, but it look, you look at judy here who won the Bolitnikov this year he's a big receiver uh-huh. so if the ball's going over the top of him because you can't step into your throw and you've got a safety for oklahoma just waiting over the top because you know they're gonna bracket him you know they're going to but here's the thing is, is i'm not that guy that um I, I don't want to try to give Oklahoma credit in this game by taking away from Alabama. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like – by the way, Judy's not that big. He's only like 6'1", but whatever. Um, okay, we're going to fill the guy <laughs> at 5'10". Out well, there. I'm just saying, uh, look at the, the little <laughs> – he's not a little Jordan Humphrey type guy okay. is what I'm saying. Okay. But I'm not – 
I'm not that guy that's going to try to give Oklahoma credit by taking away from Alabama. All right, am I right? You looked it He's up. Six one, yeah. <laughs> um, I thought he was six three. <laughs> but uh, but I, I, I am going to say this. I, I get tired of the storyline that Tua struggled in that SEC championship game because of his injury. And it and wasn't. It, and, it, and it wasn't overthrows either. It was just straight not reading the defense and which, seeing where the safety was. Which is crazy because that's been so uncharacteristic of him since taking I, over as see, the starter. I think it's more about pressure than it is about injury. I, I, I Oh, come on. No, I'm serious. No, no, no. You can't play that card right now. Why, why can't I? Pressure? Yes. You want to talk about fourth quarter no, in no, the no, national no, no, championship No, 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 not that kind of pressure. I'm talking about the defensive line breathing down his neck, him having to scramble and make a quick read type pressure. That's what okay. I'm talking about. Okay. I, I, I think he's 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 back there and he has to make a quick throw. They got to him. Georgia got to him early and they rattled him. And I think if Oklahoma can find a way, we're, we're getting ahead of my, ourselves here on the game planning for this, but I think if Oklahoma can find a way to get to Tua, I, I, there's a chance there, especially with the injury. What, what do you say percentage-wise, okay, playing the percentages here, what are the percentage chances that we see Jalen Hurts in this game? I'm uh, asking you four days in advance. Mm-hmm. It's Three percent chance, fifty percent chance that we see Jalen Hurts. What is it? I I think we'll see Jalen Hurts, not in the traditional role. I I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to come in and be the starting quarterback. I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to come in and take over for Tua Tagovailoa at all. Okay, but so but I think that's that, that's, that's what I'm right, asking. So I, I your answer is zero. I, I'm going to put it at a zero, barring an injury. Absolutely, okay. because the best player, Matt, you and I have talked about this when it comes to Oklahoma, is the best player has to be on the field. And if for Alabama moving to more of a spread type offense, I don't want to say they've abandoned the run, but a lot of their success has come through the air this year on the shoulders of the quarterback. And so when we look at this Alabama team, and I'm going to pull out some numbers here because I've already looked them up, so we're just going to use them now instead of later. The last time Oklahoma, excuse me, the last time Alabama wasn't in the top 15 in rushing yards per game was the 2015 season. They're there again in 2018, and I do have to believe that that's been a shift schematically for their offense and what they're attempting to accomplish this year by bringing the SEC into the fold of the spread offenses. But the reality for me is, I mean, you have to have the best player on the field. So to your question, I think there's a 10% chance, and that's only because if that injury continuously creeps up and and plagues a guy like Tagovailoa, they're going to go with a guy who they know they can depend on, which is Jalen Hurts who delivered the SEC championship into their hands. So That's what I'm saying. He's, he'll he'll is, be ready. Who was the better player he'll in Atlanta be, against Georgia? He'll, he'll be ready. Who was the better quarterback? I'm not denying it. I'm not denying it. And I'm agreeing with what you said about the pressure. And, and Georgia doing some things that other teams haven't been able to do, which is get to the quarterback. Because when you have a – Tagovailo is still a young quarterback by by any definition – that you want to use. He's he's an underclassman. He's starting what his thirteenth game of his career because the one he came right. in and won as the national title for right. Alabama last year. He didn't start that one. So by all definitions of young quarterback, he fits that mold and he is going to make those young rookie type mistakes. 
if you will. So I agree with you, and I know I'm jumping ahead again with that game plan, but again, I come back to the you've got to have the best player on the field regardless of who that is. If that happens to be a Jalen Hurts in that moment, you roll with it. And I think they're preparing him to play. I think Lincoln Riley's preparing to play both quarterbacks. He's going to have to well, you, after I mean, what you saw with Georgia. Well, there's a precedent that's been set here with, with Nick Saban is when one of those guys is struggling, he's not afraid to pull the trigger. I mean, you and you called it the SEC championship game that you said Jalen Hurts is going to get in this game. Now we didn't. You didn't call the injury, but you right. You, I thought uh, it was the third quarter. Yeah, but you you said that you really felt like Jalen Hurts was going to get get the opportunity over Tua, and I I agree. I think had Tua not been hurt, Jalen Hurts was going to make an appearance in that game, and I would be willing to bet that if they get Tua to struggle, then you see Jalen Hurts again. Right, but I mean, it brings a completely different offense to the team. It it does, and. But I, I please don't take as long to develop. I feel like Hurts has the ability to run. But see, that's where I think it hurts Oklahoma. I think with Tua, and where there's not a lot of benefits or advantages that this Oklahoma defense has, but one of those is Alabama. This offense looks more like a spread than your traditional power SEC offense. And that's something that Oklahoma has experienced game planning for. I think if you're Alabama and you go back to an I-formation offense and you just run the ball down Oklahoma's throat, you have a really good chance of, of leveling a knockout blow early against this Oklahoma team. But as long as they're running that spread offense, at least Oklahoma, there's some similarities between what, what Alabama is doing and what Texas did and what Oklahoma State did really what TCU did. But once you put Jalen Hurts in there, that whole thing changes a little bit. I want to talk about Oklahoma's offense, though, because we're kind of getting the cart before the horse. Because, I, I, again, <laughs> what I, else is new? I, I, don't want to, I don't want to take away from Alabama's defense. I mean, they're averaging just over 14 mm-hmm. points a game surrendered. I mean, I, I, again, I'm not that guy that's just going to slam on them um, to try to make Oklahoma look good. Oklahoma's offense it has some work cut out for them. But uh, when, you, when you've talked about it, uh, we've, we've brought it up before, when, when you look at the type of offenses that the Alabama defense faced, mm-hmm. it's the more the traditional than it is the non-traditional. And I, I can't remember the exact numbers. You can go back to the post we have at Heartland Sports. But something like eight of Alabama's 13 opponents ranked 100 or lower in scoring offense. And then you have the, uh, was it Citadel they played in there that doesn't even rank on FBS uh, schools. But they, they benefited definitely from traditional offenses. So I think Oklahoma's offense is going to bring some things to the table that maybe it's going to take Alabama some opportunity to adjust before they really have the chance to, to, to knuckle down on Oklahoma's offense. While I guess what I'm saying in all of this is I think Oklahoma has to do two things offensively to really put themselves in a position to win. Are we agreed that if Oklahoma wins this game, it's a shootout? I mean, is, at, that, is that their only at, chance at to win? At this point, um, and there, I I did want to mention because I was racking my brain this morning, and I was trying to come up with with a weakness of this Alabama team. And the reality is, there aren't any glaring weaknesses. But I can tell you, there. <laughs> if this is a shootout and it's dependent upon a field goal, I'm giving Oklahoma the edge because Alabama's place kicking has not been phenomenal this year. All right, you're stealing my intangibles. So um, let's <laughs> let me go back to my two things. Here, here's the two things I believe Oklahoma has to do offensively. They have to run the ball, 
mm-hmm. and they have to score early. They have to get off to a fast start. I, I think I think it's imperative that if OU gets the ball first, that that opening drive is a scoring job. Field goal will be okay, but touchdowns better. Oklahoma has to come out fast offensively because Georgia's going to make some adjustments. There's a reason why. There's a reason why the Georgia co-defensive coordinator is is a is a candidate for Oklahoma's job. It's not like they have a bunch of slouches over there with football mentality uh, when it comes to that. They're going to make some adjustments and they're going to try some things with their game plan. Oklahoma has to come out fast and force their hand. The earlier they can force their hand, the better. As to me, I mean, it comes down to what Oklahoma's on. This, this game, Oklahoma's chances to win this game comes down to what they're going to do offensively because they, they've got to match Georgia point for point and hope for a break on the defense. If you turn the ball over, if you punt the ball away, that you're, you're, you're putting nails in your coffin, so to speak, in my opinion. So game plan for me, let, let, let Kyler Murray be Kyler Murray. Let him do the things he does. I run him. I, I'm telling you, uh, Chris Plank and I talked about this a little bit when we had him last week. I'm running Kyler Murray. I, there's more uh, design draws. There are plays that go to the edge. There's zone reads. There's rollouts where he tucks it and goes. Because because you got this big, giant problem in the middle of that offensive line uh, with their defensive tackle. You know, Williams, that, that, that dude is a beast amongst men, uh, amongst boys or whatever, men among boys. I don't know what I'm trying to say there, but you got to – what are you doing that? I, I think I think offensively, whenever you got a run stopper like that guy, I, I think that's where he comes into play more often is on the run, then you got to counter him. you got to run some counter plays. you got to run misdirections. I, I can see jet sweeps. I can see option plays. And then I can see some screenplays where they, they just let him through and Kyler dinks it over. But I'm telling you, I, I feel like the number of runs for Kyler Murray, whether they are designed run plays or whether they're just uh, protection breakdowns where he's got no other option, has to be greater than 10, in my opinion. He has to run the ball more than 10 times in this game. I'm, I'm saying like significantly more, more like 15. The Oakland A's may disagree with you. Uh, the Oakland A's, <laughs> I don't care what the Oakland – in this moment, I don't care what the Oakland A's have to say Funny. about it. I, I just had to throw that one out there because you set it up so perfectly. The reality for me when, when we're looking at the, the offensive game plan is I think Oklahoma just needs to attack deep. Um, and, and here's part of that. This is dependent upon a previous conversation we just had about the health of certain players. Assuming Marquise Brown is good to go, the secondary, um, they're they're quite young with Alabama. Um, and they're not, I, I wouldn't say that they're as, as efficient as some of these Alabama secondaries have been in the past. And this is comparative. Mm-hmm. That's not to say they're not good, but if that's an area that, that if I'm drawing up the game plan that I'm looking to test early, you're talking oh, yeah, about you're talking sure. about scoring points. I see that as a quick way to do it. But the reality, when you begin to dive into this scoring conversation, is I I read an article and I'm just gonna kind of relay some information because I fully agreed with it. And it's that at this point in time, with this Alabama defense and this Oklahoma offense matchup, Oklahoma knowing that. 
Tagovailoa and the Alabama offense can score in bunches as well, Oklahoma has to score on at least 50% of their possessions. Mm -hmm. The numbers on that, and again, just kind of rehashing, I believe it was News OK that published that article. Um, But in when was the Trevor Knight year? 2014? Mm -hmm. In, in that year, when Trevor Knight entered the Sugar Bowl, Oklahoma had 13 offensive possessions and only scored on five of them, one of those being a field goal. Did they have a defensive score? I think they did. Yeah, there was a score up. Yeah, there um, was a, so, a scoop and right, score. Right, so end. knowing that they were able to win that game, thanks to a little bit of defense, thanks to scoring on at least – Five possessions there. I think Oklahoma has to at least replicate that. But I think this year, because of this Alabama offense, they're going to have to go beyond that five out of 13. And we're looking at seven out of 13 offensive possessions in reality. I I agree wholeheartedly with all that. And and here's one more thing on that is that I think – and I'm surprised Texas didn't try this. I'm surprised West Virginia didn't try it. I I think you're going to see Alabama run the ball more than normal because they they want to how do you how do you slow Kyler Murray down you keep him off the field yeah you pull an army you you, you chew up the clock you keep him off the field and 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 what that means what that does is that puts pressure on Oklahoma to make every offensive mm-hmm. possession count right and then when you have that pressure to make all your offensive position possessions count then suddenly you're more prone to make mistakes, but you flip the script. Oklahoma gets the ball and scores early, then then it makes that possession count for Alabama because they want to stick to their game plan. Well, now you got to catch up, and then and then that pressure, that mistake prone tendency is on the other side of the field mm-hmm. instead of your side. So that that's where I look at uh, look at that, and I'm I'm saying there's got to be a chance for Oklahoma's offense to put pressure on Alabama. And they've got to take full advantage of that. The other thing is, the other thing is, we all saw that video of Alabama's defensive backs trying to cover go routes. See, here's the problem with the SEC. There's not a lot of go routes that are run in the SEC. And and that, that sounds like I, I, after I said it, I said, well, that sounds kind of cheesy. But there's not. You look at SEC football across the board. It is short to mid range passing, and mm-hmm. then you got the guy who who breaks free for the long run. Right. But straight up go routes, there's not a, like that play that Grant Calcaterra caught against Texas to win the Big 12 championship, that's a go route. You don't cover that a lot in the SEC, and you can tell that by watching those Alabama defenders try to cover it. Lincoln Riley is a master. I, I On every pass play, every pass play, there will be at least one one-on-one matchup for an Oklahoma receiver, be it Marquise Brown, be it CeeDee Lamb, be it Grant Calcaterra, Lee Morris, whoever, there's going to be one one-on-one matchup. That's why Lee Morris has been able to make those big plays this year because he's the one-on-one guy. Well, and what, he, he's not that big name. He's not well, that number. That's what that I'm saying. He's cover. not the guy that the safety is going to roll over. He's not the guy the linebacker is going to come underneath. Mm-hmm. He's. They're going to say to somebody, this is your man. Don't let him beat you. Kyler Murray's got to find that guy. He's got to find him quick on, on any given play. Here's our one-on-one guy, and they have to exploit that, which brings me to my final thing on the on the offense. I think you want to say some more, but my final thing on the offense is this. No turnovers. Right. Every possession counts. Absolutely mm-hmm. zero turnovers, and that that falls on Kyler Murray because when, when you look at the, the loss to Texas, two turnovers. When you look at the struggle in Morgantown, it was turnovers. 
Kyler has got to be Kyler at a whole different level. And we have an article at heartland-sports.com about this. Kyler's got to be more. How good is Kyler Murray? Well, we, we'll have to find out in this game because as good as he has been through 13 games this season, he's got to be better on Saturday night. And part of that is not turning the ball over one time. Now, I wanted to ask just one question as a follow-up. Does history play any kind of a role for you in this game, specifically when we look at Oklahoma versus Alabama and Bob Stoops versus Nick Saban? I think history, if you're gonna if you're gonna bring that into play, I think that helps Alabama more than it helps Oklahoma because Nick Saban, I promise you, in that locker room Saturday night before they take the field, he's gonna say, guys, don't forget what happened last time we met these guys in a bowl game. I think Oklahoma was on like a three-game winning streak over Alabama collectively. But Nick Saban is going to bring that up. None of those guys obviously were there. Um, you know, not, not, not a single guy starting, uh, I believe, not a single guy starting in this game played in that 2000. Was even on, <laughs> they were being recruited, so they're going to be familiar with it because it was during their recruitment. But Nick Saban is going to use that as a motivating factor. And, and I don't think it's something that Lincoln Riley can really put in his arsenal and say – Look, we beat him last time, so let's carry that confidence through. Because it's the same thing for Oklahoma. Some of these guys are being recruited, but they weren't there yet. And really, that was Bob Stoops, Nick Saban. This is Lincoln Riley, Nick Saban. So I don't know that it helps Oklahoma at all. But I do think it can be a and one additional motivating factor. Because here's the thing. Who has more to lose in this game? It's Alabama. Who has more to prove in this game? It's Alabama. Oklahoma's not even supposed to win, right? Yeah, Oklahoma's I mean, not even, I mean, there's an argument for Oklahoma not even. I mean, yeah, Ohio really State's supposed, supposed to be, to be in this yeah. game, not Oklahoma. So everything is on Nick Saban and and his team, and that becomes one more thing that he can use to try to draw focus from his guys. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it, it's it's just one of those big storylines that everybody seems to want to promote, yeah. and everybody well, seems to want to talk yeah, about. It's because it. it's the last time they played, right? And it was and a big so, deal. I I I I go on to say that's probably. Outside of the 2000 Orange Bowl, that's probably Bob Stoops' biggest win of his 16 years as Oklahoma's head football coach. Yeah, I just wanted to know, in, in your mind, does is it even part of the equation? Is it is it really part of the conversation and the discussion that's going on when we're talking about the last time Oklahoma and Alabama met? It was under the, the BCS era. Right. We're in the college football playoff era. Things have changed <laughs> drastically. But not really at the same no, time. No, they have. No, well, I feel I'm because saying, in the BCS era, only one bowl game mattered. Right, but undefeated seasons still matter. Right. There, you still have a shot at playing for a national championship with one loss, even two losses at this point in time. But your likelihood of winning them, I mean, you're going to face an undefeated team. That, that hasn't changed. You're going to face, for the most part, a conference champion. The, these are kind of givens that, that haven't changed. But where I'm talking about the college football playoff is, is that's the granddaddy of them all. Everybody no, that's wants the to Rose be there. Bowl. No, no, no. no the college football playoff. The granddaddy which, of them all is the Rose Bowl. Shut it. The college football playoff is the granddaddy of them all. No, everybody Keith wants Jackson to be there. Will tell you no, the one, no, no one has no one has this aspiration to play the Rose Bowl. Oh, you they want to play for a national championship. They want to play the Rose Bowl last year. 
So just shut it. I'm done with you. <laughs> Get it, out of here. Is it the championship game in the Rose Bowl? I don't know this year. Look it up and see what the championship game is. All right. Um, <laughs> he's Rich. I'm Matt. Heartland-sports.com. You can find us on Twitter uh, at Sports Heartland, at Sports Heartland uh, on Twitter. A Sooner Nation podcast is uh, is what we're doing right now. I, I want to ask you, um, flipping sides of the ball for Oklahoma, you, you look at the uh, defense, and, and here's, this is my – Biggest struggle. It is the Rose Bowl. Levi's Stadium. Is that the Rose Bowl? Pasadena, Santa California. Clara, California. Oh, Santa Clara. That's. Mm-hmm. What is that? I don't know. The Rose Bowl's in Pasadena. Let's Google it. Now we're just great. Yeah, this, yeah, yeah. We sure are. This is great podcast. I, I want to know who plays there. Continue on with your. All right, anyway, um, the 49ers. Oh, okay, okay. That used. Yeah. All right. So that's. So it's not the Rose Bowl. <laughs> no, not at all. Not so, at all this time. Um, so, well, you're right. No one's dreaming of playing in the Rose Bowl this year except for Michigan. Um, here, here's what I'm saying about Oklahoma's defense. I can't come around on them. I try, Rich. Mm-hmm. I, I try to think of the positives. I try to think of the options and, and the potential, but I just can't come around on this defense. Right. And, and I, I look at uh, West Virginia. Two, two huge plays by the defense that where the defense directly scored – you know, 14 points. And then you got the safety in the Big 12 championship. And, and, and the shutout in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And, and you look at those things and you go, man, that, okay, great. But I also, I here's, here's and it's like the, the two little, like the angel and the devil on my shoulders here. Because the angel's saying this defense in the last two games has, has produced 16 points. And when, you, when things go the way they've gone for Oklahoma, 16 points, you'll take that from your defense, right? But then the other guy – You'll take that on any the, team. The guy on the – well, you need it, I guess, is more what I'm saying. I mean, they needed those two <laughs> touchdowns against West Virginia. But the guy on the other side is saying it's false hope. All it is is just false hope. Are we seeing, in your opinion, are we seeing this defense finally start to come no. around 12 games nope. into the season, or is it nope. false hope? Yep. <laughs> totally. Here's the thing for me is we still have the same players. Right. We don't have a defensive coordinator at Oklahoma. The biggest, the one issue that has plagued this team all season long has been tackling. When I look at this out. Oh, I think there's been more than just one issue. So I, I, I'm, I'm saying, okay. I, wait, wait, okay. before you make your point, I got to throw it out there. I mean, standing flat-footed when a receiver is coming at you full bore, full bore and never breaking your back pedal. That, that is, to me, that's that's more egregious than bad tackling. So that, when you say the one thing that's that's plugging them, it's, it's, it's more than one. Okay, so the bad tackling is the most prevalent of the problems. It's the easiest one to see. I need is a disagree button. Is it no, not? No, because I'm, I used to coach receivers, and I'm watching. <laughs> yeah, but then, I, I'm, I'm talking watching. about the, the average fan. No, If you're I'm sitting in the saying, stands and you bring. Look, look, you bring hey, bedlam. I keep going back to Parnell Motley. If I was a receivers coach for Oklahoma State, in which their receivers coach did this, I'm not changing what I'm doing to Parnell Motley because it's backpedal, backpedal, and it's and instead of just rotating, he's turning his entire body, hips and everything, inside while Wallace is running the boundary outside just off of a one-step fake. I mean, that that's the easiest. When when I coached receivers, I coached junior high and high school, never it's above part of that. the warm-up. That's the first thing you teach a receiver, a head move and a step. And and I'm I'm just saying the 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 technique of these defensive backs is so bad 
that it's it's to me it's equally as prevalent as missed tackles and i would even say that that plays into the missed tackles because they're so out of position and they're so discombobulated on their feet i mean again coaching and thinking about tackling, what do you teach a player? That you got to chop those feet and break down the tackle. Their footwork is so bad, they're not breaking down the tackle. Sorry, ran over. You you triggered me, man. I'm a bad. You're good. Keep going. You're you're a little more knowledgeable than just just an average Joe. Let's be honest about the game of football. You played in high school. You've coached on a, a high school level. You you've been around it for. I don't know, basically your whole life, it seems like. You know, but that's that doesn't describe everybody. And the one thing that I can tell you, <laughs> if you were to talk to anyone on the street, they would say it's it's poor tackling. I'm going to go to Twitter's right now. Okay, I'm going to throw that question out. Keep, keep going. Tackling, but here is the thing: is when we're talking about this defense, and you're asking me the question of have they made enough improvements? I mean, these are fundamentals. These these are things that. I've always equated things to being mental highways, and it takes time to deconstruct those. Not only that, but it also takes additional time in order to reform a highway, this mental highway where it becomes second nature. When I look at Alabama, one thing that I will say about them, and I said this when I watched the SEC championship game, is these players look huge. Okay, Now, you want to talk about a little defensive back going against one of these big offensive players of Alabama, they're going to be tossed like a ragdoll. That's where that technique, that's where that textbook tackling comes into play. And I, I'm saying because Oklahoma has shown a history, they've shown this propensity for an inability to tackle. I don't see any way that they've shored that up. I don't see any way that they have resolved that mentality, that mindset, that technique, that second nature, if you will, in just a few short weeks. Now, I will give Oklahoma credit for this because it doesn't matter who they're playing. When they've been given a month to prepare, they've always really exceeded expectations. So maybe, just maybe, Oklahoma and the defensive side of the ball and those coaches are going to pull out some kind of a miracle because they've had that month in which they can prepare and they can plan and they can begin to not not completely remove the mistakes, but cover some of them up. All right, so it's out there on the Twitter world. Uh, at Sports Heartland is where we are on Twitter. Uh, sound off. What's been more prevalent? What have you noticed more? Bad tackling or bad footwork? Uh, just trying to prove Richard's point. Uh, also just noticed uh, on uh, on Twitter, uh, your man Bob Stoops making an appearance in Miami, Florida. Uh, they're having, I'm sure, I'm sure he's not just there as a silent uh um, observer, but also uh, another um, another noticeable thing that Kyler Murray was at practice today. Uh, they didn't Woo-hoo! Sooners didn't go full pads, but he's there with his uppers and his helmet on, and uh, he's obviously surrounded by coaches. Um, <laughs> and then our man Eddie Rodazovich, um with just one of the just Eddie's total Eddie tweets. Oh, you practice report Kyler Murray status alive. Marquise Brown status alive, Joe Paterno status still dead. <laughs> that's 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 Eddie. I get to sit by him in baseball games. Um, defensively, I, we're we're agreed it's false hope is what we've seen the last two. Is that what is it coming down to? That it's it's been false hope for Oklahoma. Yeah, the the I, I'm not willing to say that Oklahoma doesn't have the talent. 
on the roster. You may disagree with that from previous conversations that we have had, but I'm I'm still a believer that there's talent on this roster. I just don't think they've been groomed in a in a way that has led to a lot of success. Because the one thing that you and I have continuously said is the the coach. It is their job to put a defensive player in the position to succeed. And so far this season, I haven't seen that. Okay. We have thoughts on that. And I just feel like that opens up a whole other can of worms. Because here's the thing. What that means – if that's true, if that's true, what that tells me is that whoever the next defensive coordinator is – then he's going to make some cuts. He's got to cut some guys off of the staff. And he's got to cut some players from his team because you can't get to the you don't get to this level without being coachable. Mm-hmm. So something happened when they got here, and you just you get rid of one or two guys, everyone else is going to fall in line. Those will those one or two guys lose their scholarship to the University of Oklahoma? I want that to happen to me. Okay, I'm coachable all of a sudden, but it also means you got to get rid of some coaches. I, I don't know, man. It's just it's, it's, that's a whole thing that hopefully we don't have to talk about until after you know the national championship game. But that conversation is coming, and it's coming pretty quick for for the University of Oklahoma and their fan base. Schematically for Oklahoma's defense, here's what I do. Um, first of all, I got to stop the run. I, ha- I have to stop the run. I disagree. Well, what, this is going to make this yeah, fun. Yeah. Well, here's the reason why. Because if, if Alabama if Alabama controls the line of scrimmage and they run the ball, then they they control the game. They control the game flow. If I can take that away from them, then I can help control the game flow a little bit more. So you got to stop the run. Secondly, though, you got to bring pressure. I mean, you got you got a quarterback who. Um, has a uh, overcoming a, a, an ankle surgery, says he's 80 to 85%. I want to test that ankle. I want to put him under pressure. Right. I want to see uh, how good is this kid in this moment right now. I, I, I feel like it, it, let, let, let's let see. I, I, I'm going back to what I said. I think Kyler Murray got uncomfortable in that SEC championship game because of the prep. Not Kyler Murray. Tua. Tua, yeah. Tua got uncomfortable in that SEC championship game because of the pressure. Now he's got a, a he's 85%, he says. Can I make him uncomfortable? I want to test him out. I want him moving. I want him uncomfortable in the pocket. If you bring pressure, if you blitz, you bring a safety in, you bring a corner in, you bring a linebacker in on a blitz, do you really lose a lot from Oklahoma's secondary? I mean, what's what's gonna happen? They're, they're gonna make a big play on you. That happens without blitzing. So brings bring a blitz, put some pressure on this kid. And, and see what transpires from there. That that's what I'm doing defensively. But you don't you don't think Oklahoma needs to focus on stopping the run first? Not not necessarily. I do believe that Oklahoma does need to bring pressure. We're in we're in agreement there. But what I think Oklahoma and I think you'll agree with this one because this is more of a general statement is that that they need to win first and second down and get Oklahoma excuse me Alabama to be a little bit um, in these uncomfortable situations of. For sure, passing downs because if two is not 100%, you want to stack on as much pressure as you potentially can and then have the rush, the blitz pressure coming at him as well. What I think Oklahoma really needs to do defensively is just limit big plays because what Oklahoma has not been able to do this year has been limit those big plays. And again, if Alabama is going to score 54 points, they can score it quickly or they can score it slowly 
I, I, I'm not really arguing Alabama's offense and their potential here, but what I am arguing is that if Oklahoma can limit the big plays, it's going to put a lot of pressure on that, that, that running back crew who hasn't been stellar. Again, in comparison terms, they're averaging six yards a carry, which is more than adequate for any player in any conference on any team in any league. It doesn't matter. But what I'm looking at here is when I see this Alabama rushing attack, I, I don't see this star player. I don't see someone who could carry the team to victory. So I don't think you need to stop the run first. I think you need to stop or play the pass and force Alabama into one long passing situations and two to run more often than they're going to throw it downfield. Uh, yeah, but here, you know how you win first and second down? Stop the run. I'm just saying, if you (laughs) stop the run, you're going to win first and second down. Because I I agree, you want Alabama, you want them second and long, third and long. You you don't want them third and manageable. You you don't want them third where they got the option, Mm -hmm. uh, those RPOs. Those RPOs become a little less effective when it's eight yards plus to go on third down. Not that Alabama's not capable of running eight yards at a pop, but I'm just saying it it becomes a little less effective – uh, when when you you're facing a long yarding mm-hmm. situation, that's why you got to win first down. And, and a majority of the time, first down is going to be a running play. Now that, I'm not saying that the 100 percent of the time, but the majority of the time, you're going to face a running play on first down. You got to stop it. Alabama has I think it's the same thing for Oklahoma. Alabama has success on the ground. That's going to spell a long day for Oklahoma's defense. Same thing though with Oklahoma has success on the ground. Long day for Oklahoma's offense or Alabama's defense. I'm so confused at what I'm saying now. I'm going to turn it back over to you. <laughs> By the way, um, the Twitter poll is in. Uh, for, oh, you got uh, one answer. It was uh, in favor of you. You're no, going to no, use it? See, no, 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 um, not at all. The early results are in, and it's 100% in favor of poor tackling. That's good. I'll be waiting by the phone for your apology. Not for my apology. Yeah. Your apology coming no, to me. No, no, no. You were, you were going to like bag on at, my, my Twitter looking, poll results. Looking at this this Alabama offense, what would you identify as their strong suit then? Oh, I think they have multiple. I, I, I do feel like um, – I, I feel like here, – here, here's the thing. Um, I'll put you on the spot. No, huh? no. I, I, I'm trying to think of a way to say this. Um, because again, I'm not in favor of just bashing the other team. All right. I'm not in favor of bashing the other team when it comes to, you know, making your team look good because Alabama is good. They're, they're mm-hmm. here for a reason. They're right. the they're national the champs for a reason. Undefeated. But, but I think what's, what has been one of the strengths of their offense is they're doing something that's not been done in the SEC mm-hmm. offensively. Right. And I think it's taking – the SEC by storm. And we've talked, this is not a new conversation for us. Texas A&M is doing it. LSU is doing it to an extent. Alabama is doing it. Mississippi State is doing it. Kentucky is doing it. This is starting to transition into the SEC. But what they're really good at is they're really good at limiting turnovers and mistakes. And they're really good at, at I mean, two is a, he was a Heisman Trophy candidate for a reason. Not because of what he can do with his legs. That's why Kyler Murray was there because Kyler Murray can do it all with his arm. But what what he, Tua can't do was with his legs. But the percentage of high percentage completion and, and putting themselves in those positions to win either a jump ball, the 50-50 ball, or getting their guys in isolation where they can take advantage of their speed like the Judy kid. To me, that's that's really 
where they become more effective. The reason I'm saying Oklahoma's running, or Oklahoma needs to focus on the running game, is because I don't I don't think Alabama's going to try to run because that's their strength. I think Alabama's going to try to run because it keeps right. I, I, Kyler I, on the sideline. I understand what you're saying. I see your point of view. I just don't agree with it. I'm pretty simple, that's right? Okay. That's all right. You know here's, what? Twitter, here, Twitter wanna, agrees with you with I, me with you more often than they do with me. Anyway. I went ahead and pulled up the numbers here. Alabama ranks number three in plays of 20 plus yards at 93, and we've got to remember that a a good I think it was five games Alabama played this year. Tua Tagovailoa didn't play much, if at all, in the second half at this point. I would bet that that number goes up with him playing an entire four quarters in all of those games. And so we're, we're looking at a team that, like I said, has the ability to just chunk away yardage mm-hmm. at an extremely high rate. Again, you've mentioned it's something we're not accustomed to seeing from the SEC. I'm agreeing with that, and that's why I think the poor tackling – Number one on Twitter, by the way. The the poor (laughs) tackling combined with Alabama's ability to rattle off 20-plus yard plates, whether that's on the ground or whether that's through the air, Oklahoma, they have to find a way to stop that. And again, I think if you're winning first and second down, obviously you're having some success in limiting those big plays. Well, and there's also – they they got to get turnovers. Oklahoma's defense has got to find a way to turn Alabama over. Right. I, I feel like Chris Plank said it. I, I agree 100% because it's already the number I had in my mind. Oklahoma needs two turnovers. Well, that could be a turnover on downs, or that could be a, just a straight takeaway by a fumble or an interception. They've got to have two. And, and again, it, it changes every time you give the ball back. Well, now you got to get one more. Mm-hmm. And they got to be plus two in turnovers. I, I would take it just a step further. Plus two. I, I like that you're throwing a margin because that's where I was going with this conversation is Oklahoma has to win that turnover margin to have a shot at, at beating Alabama. It's not a coincidence. Oklahoma comes in as a 14-point underdog. I don't know where that line has shifted to since the last time I looked at it, but a two-score underdog, it's it's not a coincidence. It speaks to the volume of the coaching at Alabama. Mm-hmm. It speaks to the volume of the recruits, but it, mostly it speaks to the execution that we're seeing from these players on the field. They're doing what they've been asked to do. So Oklahoma, I mean, Alabama's not going to turn the ball over unless they're forced to, and Oklahoma's going to have to find a way to absolutely make them uncomfortable and, and force at least at least one, but like I said, win that turnover mm-hmm. margin. Be be on the positive side of it, not the negative end. Well, um, yes. So let's let's go back now. Um, offensive side of the ball for Oklahoma. We're, we're agreed, you know, the, the offense, it rests on the shoulders of Kyler Murray. So we're going to do this one at a time. You're going to give one, I'm going to give one. Give me, we're going to two players offensively that need to have huge games on Saturday night, not named Kyler Murray. I'll, let you, I'll let you go first. Kennedy Brooks. That was going to be mine. Are we I just going back and forth? Yeah, 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 giving yeah. a reasoning. No, yeah, yeah, tell me because why. Because Kennedy Brooks obviously has had an incredible second half of the season, largely in part to the injuries, but it's proving why Oklahoma has been able to claim this running back U, this RBU, past, present, future, if you will. <laughs> and so with Kennedy Brooks, we, we've seen that the evolution mm-hmm. of him. We've seen that emergence to where he can be that every down back. Trey Sermon, more of a power runner, more of a guy who it not shying away from contact, 
but neither is Kennedy Brooks. I say Kennedy Brooks because he's really carried the load in the absence of Rodney Anderson, mm. Marcellius Sutton, TJ Pledger not making any appearances late in this season, really left us with two options. And then Trey Sermon came up with like a bum ankle. Of course, he, he re-entered the game, but it's been Kennedy Brooks ever since he stepped onto the field and has rattled off these big runs. So I say Kennedy Brooks, one, because of his ability, the strength that he has, but it's also his speed. Well, I'm going to piggyback on there because Kennedy was one of my guys. Um, and I'm just going to say the other thing about Kennedy is that, you know, Trey Sermon, I'm glad to hear that he's healthy, but Trey Sermon's your closer. You know, he, mm-hmm. he's that guy when the defense is tired, you, you put him in there. He's a, he's a, a physical guy that doesn't, uh, doesn't shy away from contact. He's going to deliver some a hit when you hit him. Um, but you got to give, get him in position to close it out. And that's what Kennedy Brooks does. Kennedy Brooks has to get Trey Sermon in a position to come in in that closing role. So that's my guy as well. Your second guy is – Do you want to take – No, no, second? go ahead. Go ahead. My, my second one is C.D. Lamb, and it's, it's because of the rumors we're hearing at this point about Marquise Brown not knowing how healthy he is, not knowing if he's 100% or will participate in the entirety mm. of the game, not knowing how big of a portion of the game plan is – kind of centered around Brown. C.D. Lamb is going to have to step up and fill that role. We know that he can. He's done it on numerous occasions this season. But if Marquise Brown isn't there on the opposite side, all that focus is going to go on C.D. Lamb to make plays and kind of open some things up for this running game. Yeah, I'm going to go with Grant Calcaterra, my other guy not named Kyler Murray. Uh, Just what you're saying, I'm assuming Marquise is going to go at least enough to, uh, to have the defense look at him. And then CeeDee Lamb's going to get a lot of attention. But I, I feel like Kraukatera is going to be that guy who's going to be find himself quite often in those one-on-one battles. He has to come in and have the type of game he had in the Big 12 Championship against Texas. And I do think there are, there are some good comparisons between the Texas defense and Oklahoma's defense. I think if you put the Texas defense in the SEC, their numbers look a lot closer to Alabama's than they do to Texas right now in the Big 12. Um, that said, I feel like Grant Calcaterra has got to be that second guy uh, on this offense to really kind of come in and make make a name for himself and win those one-on-one battles and get those those 50-50 balls are going to come his way. All right, defensive side of the ball, same thing, two guys. Um, uh, this is going to be a, a generic statement two, for me to begin with. Two guys, and, and you go first. I was going to say anyone who's covering Jerry Judy is going to have to have a, bit, a big game. Um, if I had a single a guy out, I, I really like the way Trey Brown has come along. Trey Norwood, uh, another young guy who can uh-huh. make some plays in there. But I, I'm focusing on Trey Brown because I think he's going to draw a majority of the responsibility I could be completely wrong and have zero idea what I'm talking about when it comes to that. But Trey Brown has has been that guy who's come up time and time again, whether that's been the interception, whether that's been the pass breakup. Excuse me. And I think Oklahoma's defense, they're going to look at him once again to really disrupt anything that that Alabama is going to do with Jerry Judy. All right. I'm going to go. I'm going to go hybrid defensive line linebacker guy with Caleb Kelly. Because you go back to that uh, that game against Alabama in 2014, the Sugar Bowl game, and it's it's Eric Stryker who makes really a, a name for himself in that game with the pass rush. I think Oklahoma has to have somebody who gets 
constantly gets disruptive in the backfield. I think Buzzy's going to draw a lot of attention because he can be that guy, which means I think Caleb Kelly has the opportunity to, <laughs> excuse me, to get back there and make those plays. Caleb's got, and he's a big game guy. Go, go back to the Big 12 championship game last year with the scoop and score against TCU. He, he's a bowl game guy. He, he, he lives in that limelight of the big game, and I think this is a game where he can have the opportunity to shine. He's my guy, Caleb Kelly, big game. Uh, he, Oklahoma needs him to have a big game Saturday night. Who's yeah, your second I, guy? I can't disagree with that. I, I'm going to go with the guy in the middle and say Neville Gallimore. Uh, stealing one of yours. I wasn't going to go with him initially, but – but you, you kind of stole my thunder, so I switched it last minute on you. Neville Gallimore as a guy who's going to plug up the middle. You're talking about the run defense being the primary focus here. So, yeah, I'm going to steal one. <laughs> no shame in that statement. But you're going to depend on him to obviously draw a lot of attention in the center to open things up on the outside. And if we're talking about getting pressure on the quarterback, I believe it all starts with Gallimore in the middle. Yeah, Tua, I'm, I'm just going to stick with Gallimore. That was my other guy. Uh, <laughs> Tua is, he, he's, Kyler's the guy that you want to keep him in the pocket. If you're Alabama, you're, you're telling your defensive ends, contain, don't crash, keep him in the pocket, bring pressure from the middle. Two is not that guy. You, you, he can make some things happen if he leaves the pocket, but he's not even a Baker Mayfield type scrambler. Um, you want him uncomfortable. That starts in the middle with Neville Gallimore as well, and then your defensive ends can crash on him. He's healthy. He hasn't been healthy in a while, but he's healthy. According to Lincoln Riley, their, their, their health of the team is as best as it's been in a long time. He has got – this is his chance to earn some money. He can go out and earn some money Saturday night if he can help dominate that line of scrimmage. Oklahoma has to win at the line of scrimmage. And it's a tall task. They're not going to do it without Neville Gallimore having a huge game. Right. That's why he's my guy. Right. Um, intangibles. We, we got just just over four minutes left. What what are we not, what are we have we not talked about? What are we overlooking? Just, two, it's, two it's, intangibles. It's really been um, been special teams. Okay. And I kind of hinted yeah. at that initially because if this game does turn into a shootout, kicking. I mean, let's say that this game goes into overtime like Oklahoma and Georgia last year. If it's heavily dependent upon a field goal, I'm not 100% certain that Alabama is going to be able to make that. So for the intangible on Alabama side, I definitely think it's kicking. If I had to pick one for Oklahoma, I'll save it and let you go first. Well, I agree. Intangible for me is, is, is special teams. And, I, and mm-hmm. I, I what you're saying uh, with – with kicking, we, we saw in the in the Rose Bowl how important the field goal can be. But beyond that, I, I look at Oklahoma's return game. I, I think there, there's the chance with CeeDee Lamb for Oklahoma to set up some things in the return game on punt returns. And then also look at the, the number of blocked punts that they've had this year. Uh, Oklahoma's going to come after some punts. And if they you can spin a game really fast by a big special teams play. And so I think I, I don't think it's just place kicking. I think it's all around special teams return and then also punt punt uh, um, punt coverage, but also blocking those punts. Uh, Buzzy, <laughs> but I don't know if you saw this the other day, but Buzzy, a, a playful tweet is like, I lead the nation in punt returns for a touchdown. Uh, just joking because of the block punts and where he scored twice this year. So, um, so <laughs> that that's a big one for me. And then finally, I'm, I'm gonna take my second one uh, ahead of you. And you you talked about history. Does this history play a role in any of this? I don't think the history between Alabama and Oklahoma plays a role in it. But I do think Oklahoma's recent history and big bowl games mm-hmm. plays a role. You got to go back to that. 
Sugar Bowl win over Alabama, the last time the Sooners quote won a big bowl game. But when you look at their history recently in the Orange Bowl, you and I were talking about this earlier today before we recorded. You got to go back to the 2000 season to find the last time OU won an Orange Bowl game. And then since that game, you've got the BCS championship losses. They've lost. They've been beat out in the first round of the playoffs two years in a row now. I think that's something. If you're needing, if you're wanting to win, you got to put your team on edge. If you're the heavy underdog, you've got to be on edge. And you mentioned, hey, guys, this is our program. This is our story tradition. This is who we are. But this is what everyone says about us because of our recent performances in bowl games. So I think that's an intangible that could just be one more small motivating factor mm-hmm. for Oklahoma in this. Your final intangible. Yeah, the, the intangible I'm giving towards Oklahoma is it's something we discussed previously, but it's how well can Oklahoma adapt if – there is this switch in quarterback because of the two contrasting styles that they bring that that a guy like Jalen Hurts compared to Tagovailoa brings to the table. It's hard to defend mm-hmm. and it's hard to prepare for that. So if and I think this is a big if at this point is if Hurts steps into the game, how does Oklahoma respond? Right. Yeah, no, that's 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 a great point. All right, he's Rich. I'm Matt. Sooner Nation uh, podcast, heartland-sports.com is where you can find us on Twitter, at Sports Heartland. Um, bring us to the, the that crucial moment of uh, of projecting our score. Your score prediction, sir, I'll let you go first. One. You don't have one, huh? No, um, if, if I had to give one, I can't give it in favor of Oklahoma, and that's why I say I don't have one. Because Alabama – in my opinion, is the superior team mm. this year. Um, there was a reason that they looked invincible all year long until they met the Citadel. There's a, <laughs> there's a reason. That's the truth. No, okay? I, I know. I'm not saying funny. that to be facetious no, it's and, funny. and to crack a joke. But Alabama, I mean, everyone gave them the national championship three games into the season. Mm. And, and there's a reason why. It's because they're incredible on offense. They're incredible on defense. And to pull off an upset, it's going to take a lot. I mean, Georgia had them on the ropes yeah. and still couldn't pull it out. So when I when I look at the score and the prediction, I, I've got to go 42-38 in favor of Alabama. Uh, yes, yeah. Here's what happened to Georgia is that mental advantage because Georgia plays in the same conference as Alabama. Oklahoma has the same mental advantage in the Big 12. You, I mean, you're king of the conference. Until someone proves otherwise, Georgia had the opportunity, but they they melted down. One intention we also didn't talk about was experience of Oklahoma being in competitive games, Alabama not. Mm-hmm. But all that said, to pick Oklahoma to win this game means that you got to put some faith in Oklahoma's defense. I'm not to the point where I can do that. I, I'm sorry, I, I am not. I, I I I'm crimson and cream, true and true. I will be you know I'll be screaming my head off Saturday night. But the reality is I can't, in the right frame of mind, without just being an absolute homer pick. I mean, if you want the homer pick, the homer pick is Oklahoma wins. But if you want the realistic pick, I, I got to go with Alabama. And I, I'm, I'm close to you score-wise. I, I've got 42-35 to 35 Alabama over Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl. And it sucks. It, it, I mean, it makes, literally makes me sick to my stomach. But that's just being real. Uh, with this situation. Uh, Sooner Nation Podcast, thanks for listening. We'd love to hear you have your input. Um, you can leave a comment uh, at TalkShoe. Follow us on iTunes, heartland-sports.com, also on Twitter. We want to know your thoughts. Uh, thanks for participating. Thanks for listening. Have a uh, great week. Happy New Year, everybody, and Boomer Sooner.